You are listening to 40-something with Valley and the Vig. And now, here's Silicon Steve Valley and the Vig. something with valley and the vig this is silicon steve valley oh i am so so stoked today that the snow is melting a little bit so if i wait another four or five days i'll start being able to clean my car off and vig yeah. how good morning good afternoon whatever the case may be it's two o'clock on the east coast how are you doing today my beautiful italian man well first off I'm loving that we're just doing this daily now. It's just like kicking up. We got these daily interactions now. It's like the daily 40-somethings podcast. So it's really kind of taken off here, and I, I like that. But, uh, yeah, we got some snow lined up here out in the Denver metro area coming. So we're going to trade places here a little bit. I don't think it's going to be nearly as bad as what you guys took on. But you're going to get a little, get a few inches in some cold weather over the next few days. It is February. But like they say here in Colorado – Colorado, warm and sunny. Sometimes Colorado. What the hell does that even mean? It's always confusing. Colorado's always warm and sunny. Sometimes it's Colorado. That's, yeah. So the sometimes Colorado is sometimes you'll just get a snowstorm that comes flying in off the front range in the middle <laughs> of the night, and you wake up to three inches on the ground and a major traffic mess yep. and then later that afternoon the sun comes out and it's warm and everything melts and in the next three days are in the 60s yeah, like the, the southern part of colorado 60s. is extraordinarily warm isn't it i mean isn't isn't it borderline new mexico doesn't it borders new mexico obviously yeah so we we are it has been the hottest ever on record here the last couple of years so yes it actually is starting to move into like a high desert uh climate high plains into high desert that's all I know about New Mexico is and our friend lives there, our friend Kyle. So that's that's fine with me, man. I'm I'm actually really excited about this show. We have a, we our YouTube channel now has a couple of videos up there. We're interacting with a lot of our fans. Uh, put out some, you know, anytime there's something we want to create or we want to express, this is going to be a good avenue for us to do as well. There we're going to be we're really thinking about bringing in a lot of new guests. And really push the envelope on how we can all grow together and be the best we can be and also have a shitload of fun and uh, make you laugh on the way. Yeah, absolutely. We get a little something different every day, hopefully, but we've been kind of just pulling stuff out of the headlines lately just for some conversation pieces. And, uh, you know, we were talking about how we're going to be getting a social media presence started here with the 40-somethings podcast, and then it's kind of dumped into this well, this is like what we really are kind of hating these days, you know, and honestly, I have no social media presence except for a LinkedIn because it keeps getting me gigs out here, keeps me getting, uh, keeps the hourly wage coming in. But uh, we were kind of discussing here in pre-production how, you know, it's kind of like a guilty pleasure really, or, you know, we know we can get some interaction engagement and some more listeners and some more people coming and following after the 40 somethings podcast, but you know, this was like the exact thing I just needed to get away from. I needed to get away from the ego, my ego, other people's ego, the constant winning, the constant, look at my life. I'm so awesome. The constant, let's argue about something stupid that doesn't make any sense. And then you're just pulling fact, facts that aren't facts. Yeah. And uh, I think what we were talking about is really 
what we need to realize is that Facebook has set this up this way. Twitter, these algorithms were set up to hate, hate, hate us, hate each other. And to give people the background, this isn't, you know, okay, how do, what the hell does this guy know? Vig, you studied all this. So give us a background on what you kind of learned about the algorithms and how you actually, based on that information and the paper that you wrote, you'll get into specifics. You, based on your information, think that Facebook is intentionally causing divisiveness as well. Yes, absolutely. Explain. The, algorithms, the algorithm is set up that way. The algorithm is set up for us to, to hate each other. It's, it's set up to put angry things and shocking things to the front of your feed. So you click on it and then you get that interaction and to constantly spur on engagement. So what better way to do that is when everybody's angry and what better way to keep the clicks on for the ads to generate the revenue is to keep everybody angry. So I wrote about this in the summer of 2019 when it was just starting to get bad. And some of, some of these previous social scientists like Neil Postman and Marshall McLuhan had said that this was already starting with, with television. Cause what, better way to keep people engaged on your television to watch the ads is to is to watch the reality TV and to watch people fight and to hit each other and to kind of just, oh my gosh, she, she just did that to him on the Jersey Shore episode. And then we just watch all these commercials and say, hey, I'm going to buy that soap or I'm going to buy that shampoo. It's the same type of concept. So spurring on to that, you know, the same thing has happened with social media. It generates clicks, clicks on those ads. And really what started it for me and started my research with that, and I actually came out with a, with a master's degree on it. So I, 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 I was, I'm loving that because I was really running out of material to be, able to, get, to be able to finish this thing. So what better way to do it with what was going on uh, with social media? And Chris Hughes, which was the, one of the founders of Facebook, wrote an op-ed in the New York Times that summer, summer of 2019, saying that the algorithm has been changed in an effort to fight fake news they changed the algorithm to spur more shocking and more politics and more, you know, negative material to keep us engaged and to keep us just shouting at each other. That would keep the ad revenue in. And what it was, it was starting a mental health crisis before any of this had even started. So, so if you want to actually find out more, if you think that Vig is just kind of going on and, you know, I, I have no faxes, so just Google Chris Hughes. New York Times. It'll come right up. It was an op-ed piece done, and and it would basically told the algorithm was changed to set it all up this way. So then all of a sudden you have the impeachment trials that come into the fall of 2019. Things get even worse, and then we go right into a global pandemic. The next the next year we had a few few weeks of of we're all in this together and we're gonna make it through this, and and then boom divisiveness that was spurred on by the same algorithm that was on the same social media networks, such, such mainly Facebook and what people were in lockdown, what better, what are they going to do? They're going to be on, they're going to be on Facebook. So this just, just created this bouillabaisse as I love to keep, keep uh, mentioning here. It's like my, my, my social science term bouillabaisse. And uh, they created this bouillabaisse of hate through the summer as cases rose and people were on employment and people's small businesses were getting ruined. And now here we are a year later and we're talking about it on the 40 somethings podcast. So let us know what you think of that valleyvig08 at gmail.com. And uh, yeah, it's kind of been dominating that there. You gave me the floor Valley. So uh, I'm going to hand it back to you and uh, you know, it's, what do you think? Right. 
Well, I think it's, you know what? I don't think it's too complex. The algorithms are, so they're, they're running their, their platforms like big business. And the media has really, I would say the last 20 to 25 years has really been out there to divide us. And I actually wrote a song um, called hurting just like you. And the idea of that song actually brought down the, the similarities between social media and regular media. Emotion is big business. Anger is big business. Passion is big business. And how many times can you see somebody's casserole or their puppy? I can see puppies all day, but not everybody could. So I don't think it's, they're just trying to cash in as much as they possibly can. They're no better than Fox. They're no better than any of them. However, however, they might be doing the algorithms, but there is, there is a culpability to the users. And I think they are just giving us a platform and letting us play. It's almost like someone, and if I can, if I can take a metaphor from uh, the great Don Callis, the invisible hand. It's like these people, these giant big tech guys on social media, it's like they are playing with us and we're the ants in their ant farm and they're shaking it up. We're the sheep. Yes, but we are still the ants and we still have whatever a free will that we have. So my question for that is, is, is that is social media, we are still playing in to that and we've got to be stronger, but I don't think as a people, particularly in the Western culture, um, I don't think as a people, we're really ready for this kind of, this, this kind of, um, you know, technology and this ability to share your shit. I just think everybody's king of the sewer of social media, everybody. We are, we weren't designed to, to know what it, this much about what everybody's been doing with my friend in Hawaii, my friend in Easton, my friend in Vermont, my friend that took a trip to wherever we are. Our brains weren't designed to constantly know exactly what these people were doing based on a, on a, on a centralized platform where everybody says this is, we were never meant to, our, our, our actual mind we're, weren't built, our social structures were never built to comprehend and to see this much action going on from a daily, on a daily basis. Just think about how, could you imagine doing this back in 2001? you imagine how September 11th would have been on Facebook? It's so funny because you talk about September 11th. And I think that this pandemic is the biggest thing to happen to our country since September 11th. Yeah, absolutely. The argument, it was even bigger. Um, and we got to see what the impacts coming out of this are. You know, we might not have seen the ugliest part of humanity yet. I'm hoping we have, but I'm not sure. Yeah, that's a good point. And, uh, you know, I was shying away from the whole uh, insurrection that happened, but that was all part of this, this theory that I've been going with this negative politics, you know, crime and fueling that hate. And here, I mean, that's all you see, like the, the stuff that's coming out now that the FBI is releasing these people that were putting this stuff on. I mean, they just were totally losing their mind and saying we should assassinate so-and-so and and this person needs to, you know, I mean, Pelosi, I think was the one, right? Well, it was AOC too. She is a pistol. I'll give her that. (laughs) I love her. I love that woman to be honest with you. She's a little, she's a little, she talks with a little emotion for a lot of people's taste. 
Um, and I don't know if she'll ever be, I mean, a lot of people are safe to be president, but I don't want to go much into it, but you're right. I mean, this is, and it's not just right wingers. It's everybody. It really is. I think she's great. I think she's what parts makes this fabric in this country. Just like, do you have the, the other one on the complete other side, Ma- Maxine, uh, Mac, what was Maxine Waters? Girl from, yeah. I mean, she's got some, I mean, you have that side of it too. And she makes up the fabric of this country as well, but I don't think that she's great. (laughs) On the risk of sounding racist. I I, I really truly believe a woman of color is going to be one of the, when we finally, we elect one. um, And because I don't know if Kamala is the one, but she might be. Um, I'm not optimistic, but we'll see. And, but I feel like, women of color who had to battle so much, they have a lot less time. They're like, we got, we don't have time for bullshit. And they're not as, they, they have a crassness to them. Um, at least the ones that are in the spotlight, like the Maxine Waters, the AOCs, um, every one of the squad, to be honest with you, they're all women of color and they just don't fuck around, man. They're like, this is what's the deal is. This is what we think. And there's a real, uh, democratic socialist vibe to them and uh i love those women i think they're doing a hell of a job i don't agree with everything by any stretch but i agree with a lot of it and uh i just i don't know i think a nice woman of color would really help this country in a lot of ways because they'll be like deal with it they're not going to try to you know and but they'll do it in a way where they're not gonna rip you apart like trump would you you know they're no nothing losers like i don't really care what you think you know? Oh, the continuing divisive rhetoric. Yeah. Yeah. But I just think it's just part of the general sentiment that's going on here in the you know, the first two months of 2021 is people are just fed up, fed up with not being able to file for unemployment because the website is just being ransacked or it's not set up right. Or there's no stimulus coming through or there's no, there's no jobs. We're not really, but we're told not to come out of our houses essentially. And, you know, it's just part of this. So we, when we continue on with that, when you have like these members of Congress and you are, you know, our new vice president, you know, they're representing that's a, uh, a part of America. That's, that's a big part of that being fed up, like being neglected and not being supported through this whole pandemic. And actually it's being reported that, that that's, that that side of our culture is the one that's getting hit the most through this. So. Which side? So it's mostly people of color and Latinos that are being really affected by either by either getting getting coronavirus or the ramifications and effects of the pandemic from an economic uh, and mental health standpoint. Well, here and here's the reason, and this is going to be controversial. The places where education isn't great oftentimes and far too often is in the inner cities and it's in the urban cities and they're also you know very densely populated and so you you combine those two things a lot of a lot of people of color saying that this is a hoax yeah and this is happening all over the spectrum it's just like the hedge fund managers can't understand why they can't stop the trading for that or why the why the little guys pissed they got got the you know pushed out of the short squeeze and it's just uh you know we're really at a breaking point here and it remains to be seen the rest of this year where things go um 
I remain positive. I remain extremely optimistic about the future. I'm talking about further on 2022 and on onward. Uh, I think this is going to be a pivotal year, but I think it's going to use it's going to be serving as a springboard of what what this perceived roaring twenties could could be happening, where we just have this cultural arts and cultural and economic renaissance that comes from a digital transformation and social consciousness. So it's it, it, uh, it remains to be seen. I think we're we're still we're still in the in the deep waters. We're still in the in the heavy thunderstorms, and uh, I think we're realizing what months and months and months of undecentralized un platforms such as Facebook, Twitter, Robinhood, you know the, what they have done. Centralized platforms where they they call the shots. The big tech guys that are in the high positions, not the people. The people you know people are, are getting controlled once again. So this is like a, a hidden communism that's been happening within our, our tech, technological se sector. So, Oh, absolutely. 1,000%. And that's a way, real good way to look at it. It is a hidden communism that's happening. Yeah, people are so worried about wearing a mask. I mean, how about having that algorithm just feed you with negative politics every time you log on there? Because honestly, a lot of people are, are, are addicted. They can't leave it. If they wanted to, they, people have been saying that it was on a radio program. People were saying like, Hey, I just, how, how many people out there just bring up the Facebook app just out of habit in the course of the day? Just, they don't even have anything they want to, but they just saw the little red, yeah, the exactly. little red notification thing. And they go, oh, I better check that. That's because your dopamine has been, has been worked into constantly getting those likes and getting that material and like seeing what this, and, and, you know, waving that dopamine level, you, you can't stop it if you wanted to. I, I invite people just to try to stay off of Facebook and Twitter for five days. Stay off for the rest of the week. Don't go on it until next week of this time. Can you do that? I bet you 90% of the people out there that are listening to this right now won't be able to do that. And if you think you can, try and report back here to the 40 Substance Podcast valleyvig08 at gmail.com hit, hit us up on twitter hit us up on facebook if you want because you're going to be going back on there anyway yeah <laughs> or you could just check in on on, on one of that. that that might be a challenge too that we're going to put in the, the process so all right exactly right man the it's amazing it's just like anything that has a dominant part in your life to where it's having a negative effect and there's a lot like me it was booze you know me i'll oh my god i used to I used to be so happy when I got off work sometimes, so excited to get drunk. I was like, oh, I can't wait. Get oh, that first drink in you. Oh, my gosh. But you take it away, and it's such a habit. And for whatever reason, you take it away, and then just these things become so much better. And the same thing happens with Facebook. I, I stopped using Facebook consistently. If anybody was friends with me on Facebook even a year ago and how I've been off of Facebook now, it does, it does a world of good. But folks, think, but we talked about it a couple of days ago. You make it what it is. Don't go to the shitty parts. Like I said, we don't, if it's 4th and Washington and Allentown, don't go to 4th and Washington. Stay the fuck out of it. Unfollow okay. people that bring your shit down. I know I've Absolutely. been unfollowed by thousands of people. Not literally, but I've been unfollowed by tons of people. People I love. Possibly family members. Right? You know, people. I have a guy in my wedding who, 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 who I don't think he still follows me. So you know what I mean? So that, that's just the there. reality. That's just one of the, the hardcore realities of the situation here. So, yeah. Um, 
keep the, it doesn't mean you don't like them. It doesn't mean you don't love them. I mean, I remember a great Uma Thurman quote, who, by the way, amazing feet. If anybody is into feet, ladies or men, you're into feet. Pulp Fiction. She's doing a little dance. So, but anyway, Uma Thurman said, I still love the people that I loved, even if I have to walk across the street to avoid them. I love Uma Thurman. I still have a crush on Uma Thurman. I love her. Oh, I love her little favorites. ominous, like, because of the Harvey Weinstein stuff. And she's like, she's like, she's like wait, waiting and, you know, laying in wait. She's like, well, I'll see you, Harvey, because I, I love Uma Thurman. She is a badass lady, great actress, and she has great feet. I forgot why I said that. Well, we were talking about, well, that just started with the Pulp Fiction movie. And by the way, one of my all-time favorite films on record, just the whole the whole OD section, the whole OD oh, scene is just crazy. And then the scene with Marcellus and Bruce Willis, that whole thing, another real classic one. Then the hamburger, the cheeseburgers, where they, I mean, it's just one one scene after the next. It's just a phenomenal film, just filmed in such a great noir and, and different points. It's like, if you've ever seen The Graduate, one of the uh, early films there, um, Dustin Hoffman. It, take, it takes after that as far as a, as a filming, an angle perspective, uh, kind of a film noir and just the way they they angle those shots uh, takes after The the Graduate. Yeah. Oh my god, Pulp Fiction is probably my, my all-time favorite movie if I had to put a gun to my head. And what I love about it, because you have the, the four stories in between, five really if you want to get down into it. It's just so great because in different periods of my life, I like a different story more. Like I obviously first loved Samuel L. Jackson. That was the big one first. And, and that conversation about the Big Mac and just driving in. I mean, what a it starts with the couple. And then they have the intro and then, which was always this classic. You would have to say it's the quintessential Quarantino movie. And anytime you can use alliteration with cues, ah, I kind of want to get excited. You know what I mean? Fucking alliteration with cues. Quintessential Quarantino. (laughs) Quarantine. If you haven't seen that film, it is widely available on YouTube for free. So I hope, hope I don't get deplatformed for saying that, but <laughs> check it out. If you no problem, there. Brad Yakel. I hope they don't deplatform your new album, Brad Yakel, from Too Fat to Skydive. So coming up in the coming weeks, we're going to have the guys from Too Fat to Skydive, Denver, Colorado-based band, on the show to discuss their new album. And we're going to play some snippets and talk about a few things, maybe a Maybe uh, put a couple challenges out there. Uh, you know, we'll see how it goes. But uh, stay in tune for that, and then check them out on Spotify. That's Too Fat to Skydive, and they're from Denver, coming out, coming into a place near you to play. <laughs> and we have a great promotion that we're going to be doing, trying to get a lot of people interacted with. Too Fat to, and then we're going to have a bunch of people. What are they too fat to do? I think it's going to be fun. We're going to, and we'll read the best ones on air. I can't sure. wait. That sounds great. Great idea. Oh, and, my God. Uh, sure. That's I a great it. idea. I was right on the fly right there. That's what happens when I, when I smoke a blunt on the show. I'm much more calm, and I have great ideas. And what were we talking about right before we went on that spiel? I just forgot. 
Oh, so yeah, the Pulp Fiction is what literally launched oh, yeah. this. Well, but uh, but we that. were talking about the social media and how we were kind of kind of grappling with this because we're trying to promote our, this podcast and we have to be on there. And yet we really just want to be away from that right now. It's Yeah, so and, let's get uh, back into Pulp Fiction. Let's make it a little light. Change it up a little bit. Has so, anybody not seen that, you think? Yeah, so let's talk Probably, about it. Uh, Generation Z might be a little bit... When you first saw it, what was your first impression? Uh, I kind of thought it was just like, kind of like a drug movie. Yeah, because there's a lot of open heroin scenes and the whole DC scene is just like, whoa, that's crazy. And then she takes the shot of adrenaline right to the breastbone and he's got to, Travolta's got to do that. But I thought Travolta was phenomenal as far as the acting. But as I've watched it now, probably like 20 or 30 times. It's just got so many great scenes. There's great acting and dialogue back and forth. And then just the way it's shot. If you've studied film at all or video from an aspect ratio perspective and just kind of looking at different angles of how to shoot, it's 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 just a masterpiece, I believe. It's really one of, one of, best, one of Tarantino's best, really. Did you get a boner when uh, Marcellus Wallace was getting raped by the gay dudes? No, and in fact, when I first saw that film, I was still at a young Switching age. I didn't know gears. what the I didn't know what a gimp did. I didn't know that that was a thing. I was wondering, like, what what's the what's the guy with the mask on and he's you got never the chain? And he gets, I, I never I didn't know like that a gimp was part of the whole sadomasochist scene and that that you actually put the ball in the whole thing and like Marcel's got the the gag ball and like all all this was like part of that that S and M scene. I had that was I was still not alien to very it. very novice to that and so a lot of that kind of went over my head watching it for the first time and then as we started talking about it and honestly it came up in some film classes that i took over the you know it's like you started talking and breaking down the structures and you're kind of like oh oh okay so that's that's what all, but yeah but to answer your question no i was not I, I was very offended by all that i was just like wow what the heck is all that about that's a thing were you offended because the guy was getting raped or were you offended because it was gay? I was, I was offended of both at the time. Yeah. Yeah. You own it. That's cool. Well, I just well, was, I was, a, this was 94, right? So. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. 94, 95. We haven't, we didn't cross that. We didn't like reach that uh, inclusiveness yet. And I was only about 17 or 18 at the time. And yeah. No. So, for the record, you never masturbated to uh, Marcellus Wallace getting raped. Okay, cool. No, on the record, that's all I want. Back to that. I mean, I'm not Ever. trying to dodge the question or anything. It sounds I'm like to talk about a great film, and you're it just sounds like you have an answer to that to... question. Have you masturbated to that scene? No. Have well, you? It's one of us. I, I feel like that you wanted to like join, on you wanted to like meet up halfway on that one. If I yeah. would have said yeah, if I would have said yes, you would have been like, <laughs> I know, I did tell. I yeah. did. Oh, okay. Have? okay. Who hasn't? Who has it? It's right. fucking hot. S and M sex, even if it's bisexual or gay, really gets me going sometimes. Frankly. Okay. And, then, and there you have it. We have full disclosure Wednesday. We usually bumped it up. Usually it's full disclosure Friday. And uh, I think a lot of men do though, and I think we're not allowed to say anything. I really do. I really believe okay. that. Yeah, I mean we're open minded here on the Forty Somethings podcast, so it's not like I'm. You're not going to get me to like. You know, we just took that right turn like that. It would be a more of a left turn. I don't think the right winger was like that. 
and I had met a hot little number in West Philly my last couple months there who was a yoga instructor and she was super into that type of thing. So that, you know, she led the way with, with me. So that's really all it is, but you sound like uh, that's been a thing with you for quite a while, right? Decades. Yeah. That, and actually, okay. and my, my, I, it's it that's interesting to me and maybe this is something that i gotta search the first my going back to pulp fiction full circle as with you that was my first exposure i was still a junior in high school so that was my first exposure that that was even a thing and it did excite me to a certain extent now um i then i started pursuing it and I, there was a uh you know a porn site i think called men men in pain which was about, you know, doms, you know, female doms and just, you know, doing that whole thing. And it was so exciting to me. And, uh, you know, I had a couple different experiences and I was able to have a couple different partners that were able to um, really explore that. And, you know, and, and with that, with that scene, you have to kind of be open to whatever your perversions are um, to get there. And risk I think taking. a lot of people, a lot of men are afraid to do that. Afraid of taking risks in the bedroom? Or whatever. Or like, oh, like if a girl plays with your asshole, it's like, oh, it makes, I'm not gay. Like, it's so stupid. Like, that doesn't make it gay. If your asshole's getting fingered while you're blowing a guy, that's gay, but whatever. You're just saying that just, uh, you know, even if it's just so if it's fetish, it doesn't mean that you're... I don't think it's all. I don't think it yeah, should be okay. labeled, man. If you have certain perversions and that's your kink, whatever. But I think everyone's afraid to come out, or everyone's afraid to say, "I enjoy that portion." And I just, sure. think that I really do believe that that's part of it. I really, and um, it's okay, and it's okay, whatever. You know, I, I've, you know, it's something that I've, uh, I've accepted, and I've, I've enjoyed, and you know, and uh, you know, whatever. And I have a great partner that helps you know, facilitate, not facilitate. It sounds like we, we meet up with randos and just whatever, which we don't. Um, but we've, uh, we definitely have a really great understanding and, and no, no shame within the two of us. And it's a very good thing to have that with your partner. That open honesty. And actually Kelly Williams should come on here because she would be brilliant in that episode because she has a more experience than anyone would ever think or imagine. So maybe we'll do that sometime in the near future, we'll have a big S&M podcast. It's good to hear. I like that. <laughs> so if you ever hear me, just go with it. Um, and and the thing is now, so, I, you know, so, you know, when something like that pops up and it's like, all right, cool, here's an opportunity for me to be honest and say something that's a little bit controversial. And you say, well, you're trying to be shocking there. It's not shocking because... I think that that's something that is is there. A lot of people are afraid on that zero to seven scale. You know that, like, I forget the name, the, the Killian scale or whatever the fuck it's called. A zero to seven. And, like, if you're seven, you're, like, fucking super just gay. And if you're a zero, you're super hetero. And I think we're all in the middle there, zero to seven. You're, you you fell on one kind of scale. And I always said I, I'm, like, a two. But I own the two. I'm, like, all right, I'm about a two. You know, and, and take that to any extent you want. A lot of people are afraid to say they're a one. No way, man. Fuck that, bro. You know, and I think it's, you know, just something that I think 
it would make a little understanding of differences and not be afraid of yourself so much if you did admit something like that to yourself. And I don't think enough guys do, enough men do, frankly. Boom. There you have it. So that's why I, it, this isn't to be vulgar. It was for to be funny to a certain extent, but it was also to challenge people to start being honest with themselves as much as they possibly can be. There you have it on the 40-somethings podcast, uh, the Wednesday hump day episode. I'm going to hump you. See, now, I could, now, now it's weird I said that. It's just flowing, right? Just be uh, glad that I'm not your homophobic uh, co-host, really. <laughs> you're not, not at all. Back. <laughs> I wouldn't have sex with you, Vig, for the record. There's not, there's not many dudes I'd have sex with. No offense, fellas. I really like women a lot. Especially their feet. Did we did we talk about Uma Thurman's feet? We did. That was actually what launched this entire segment, really. And that's where we're going to end it today, folks. Check out Pulp Fiction by Quentin Tarantino with Travolta and Uma Thurman, also Samuel Jackson, Bruce Willis, and you know, get up to speed with what we were talking about on this one. I'll tell you what. Thank God Quentin Tarantino and Pulp Fiction is going to get this nice 40-something podcast bump. Yeah, well, it's only been around for 20-some years now, at least. All right, so Quentin, where's the money, man? We just gave you the big plug. Come on, home. Huge plug. Let's just uh, push that. Let's push Let's go, the Weinstein uh, Foundation that's going out of business for some plug money on that. We, we did some advertising for them today. <laughs> Uh, touchstone touchstone doesn't exist anymore you owe us residuals no. <laughs> <laughs> or was it was oh, it miramax was it miramax? that was a huge that was a big joke by the way so i don't know i don't want to get any uh we got to talk strains after the show i want to kind of maybe see what you've been because i i like uh, i think i may even need to change change oh. a few of uh, what i've been dude gorilla glue number four by alara um a phenomenal company out in uh, based out of Pennsylvania, but they are a national company and uh, they actually bought a subsidiary of theirs, which is kind tree. And I got some gorilla glue number four of theirs. And then for nighttime, we have tiger's milk, which is actually Kelly Williams and my side project, our little acoustic project that we do. So, Check that out soon. Tiger's milkshake. Sexy. I like it. Oh, I love it, man. I'm so so optimistic about things right now. Good stuff. I like hearing that. I like hearing that because I tell you what, we're in a pretty dark period right now. I think we're coming out. I think we're starting to see a light at the end of the tunnel. And uh, we're in the driver's seat. Remember that. We are in the driver's seat right now. And we have proven this over the last couple of weeks that when we unify, for better or for worse, we could really change things. So keep that in mind. 